0: The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. But
1: thank you all for joining us. Thank
2: you. you. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network.
5: My mom says I'm cool.
0: Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only
3: one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Rounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating, it brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork deadly grounds coffee coffee to die for and zombie approved it's good to get a little deadly use the
4: front door oh they're so disgusting
3: hey hey happy wednesday everybody you're watching still token with my name is leo i'm the monkey behind the keyboard here we have an amazing amazing show for you but as always benjamin how's it going bud it's going well and you Doing okay, doing okay. It's, it's nice See, I kept it short, well. short, sweet, and simple
4: tonight. You are. You know why? Why? Because There's our too our he needs a in. lot of time. <laughs> 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 with, with the career that he's had, he we need all the time we can get.
3: Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Jeffrey.
1: What's up? Everybody having a good Wednesday? It is Wednesday, right? Hump, hump day.
3: Last time Joey's I checked, Wednesday. yeah. Right, yeah.
1: right. Everybody doing good? I'm doing great. We also have a, uh, a special co-host. We do, yes, we do. Who invited we, him? You did. Oh, I did. Yeah, there was supposed to be a vote. I would have said, I would have said, fucking no. Oh,
4: my bad. But, you know, <laughs> no,
1: it's all good. I, I always love hanging out with this guy. He is absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think he's gonna mess it all up. That's just That's my feelings. It's typical. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh. he likes to
3: fuck things up. Well, since Jeff's not going to say it, Mr. Bill Diamond is in the house. How's it going, Bill? Good. How are you guys doing? It's great to see everyone in the start of
5: this new year. It's great to get out there and see everyone, especially Jeff. I won't talk about the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
1: Bill. Appreciate that.
3: Wow. <laughs> wow. Leo, introduce our guest. Oh, my God. Uh, you, you, you really want me to? Yeah. Yes,
5: absolutely
3: uh okay uh so it helps if i put the camera on uh you know uh leo we don't want to see the other two we want to see our guest uh well i was going to introduce him mr carl Gottlieb. you know him from jaws the jerk so many awesome awesome things carl awesome to have you with us
2: are you going to put up the grid or am i going there we, go. There, there, you you go. Go. there we go. There we go. <laughs> he wants to be on Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Now, he's now, like, now it feels right. He's like, please take the
4: camera off just me. <laughs> I know what I look like. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. Um, real quick before we get too deep into anything, Leo. Yes, sir. You see, I sent you a message. Is there a reason why the chats aren't coming up? Mm, Not that I, it matters, but I wanted to bring it to your attention. Okay, we can go on with the show. You can deal with that.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay, I, I I'll I'll figure it out. Thank you, sir. Welcome. So, Jeffrey, go ahead.
4: Why don't
1: you kick this off
4: because I know you, you're itching, too.
3: Well, yeah.
1: I mean, I'll, I, well, first I want to say that, you know, Carl, thank you very much. Um, uh, you've made me paranoid to go swimming for a long, long time. Uh, I own a uh, a little cabin up on a lake up in Maine. Which is wonderful. Yes. And I grew up water skiing. And as a kid, every time I fell in that water, I always thought there was something under my feet. So thank you for that, asshole. Yeah. You
2: know, for 45 years, <laughs> for 45 years, whenever I meet anyone, they generally begin the con. And, and <laughs> when I tell them that I wrote the fish movie, uh, that I worked on it, uh, the fish first, movie first yeah i'm just tired of saying jaws
1: right uh,
2: but, but the uh, first thing you know, when i tell them i wrote the fish movie they tell me you know i didn't go in the water for after i saw that i didn't go in the water and then, you know they have a story similar to yours and it is literally the first thing they say and for 45 years i've been nodding and smiling and say yes I know I
5: know it's, it's, it's uh, hey, hey Carl you and I have a mutual friend who is that Roger Castell
2: Oh the guy who did the uh, famous uh, poster
5: and cover yeah. Roger and I have known each other for a very long time and I have of course a, a piece of a couple of pieces of Roger's work here we've known each other for a long time plus I know Susan who was of course the first victim in the first movie Mm-hmm. He's a dear friend of mine. So we we have a number of friends that uh, were part of that great creation of yours.
2: I know, and it, 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 uh, Roger is you know kind of chagrined because the original artwork has disappeared. Nobody knows who's got the
5: and 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 that's funny because he keeps on asking where is it, and you know he did he did the uh, wonderful Empire was it when Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, um, Gone with the Wind piece. And he every time I would go to Roger's house, and now he lives up in Massachusetts, he used to live down by me here in the Hudson Valley. Um, he would uh, keep on saying, I'm hoping that turns up somewhere in one of my photo, or one of my paintings somewhere. He's been looking for it for eons. I know, I know. He's doing well.
2: Good, I'm glad.
5: All right, cool, cool. So, okay, look at that. We talked about the
4: fish movie. We got that out of the way. Now we can move on to to bigger and better things, like the amazing career that this gentleman has had.
3: I reserve the right to ask more fish movie questions later on.
4: You can ask as many fish movie questions
5: (laughs) as you like. Actually, Luo. I come on these shows with
2: the expectation I'm going to be asked about the fish movie side.
5: Leo, you can ask those questions when we're rolling the credits. All right? (laughs) Okay. Sounds
3: good.
2: (laughs) Well, if the if the the closing credits or anything like the opening credits, we got like eleven minutes or something.
4: That's why (laughs) I (laughs) told him to go there. (laughs) <laughs> actually the closing credits are really fast i think it's like 32 seconds or something okay, the opening credits are long well yeah but a, a for, we, we had to make it long because we've explained this to people before we are going live on 13 13 tonight we we added a new network um over the weekend so we're on 13 networks worldwide good great so it takes a little time a little time to, push to everything. Hello (laughs) world. The famous fish. No, I'm just
5: kidding. (laughs) He's got so much else to offer. He does. does. Friends that he knows that are friends of mine. Do you know Chris Kiska, Carl? Yes, I do. Chris and I have been uh, good friends for years. Chris used to uh, have all his jaw stuff in my studio here in uh, Hudson Valley.
2: Oh, okay. So Carl is just plugging his book. Tell us a little bit about the book. It's a great book. It is. It's the best-selling book about the making of a movie ever. Uh, It came out originally when the movie came out in 75, and it's been a steady bestseller ever since. Uh, I regained the copyright somewhere after 25 years, and we put out a 25th anniversary edition with uh, notes, and I got to add a lot of material that was not in the original, Book And then I had a lot of end notes and a lot of uh, discussion. And uh, now, and then we had to a couple of different formats. And the format that it, though, that I held up now is the most recent. And, and uh, it's kind of mislabeled on Amazon it says it includes the script. It does not include the script. There's no shooting script in there. Uh, but otherwise it's a good description of the book. And I'm happy that people are still buying it and reading about the reading about it. That's now, uh, know. Brian,
3: uh, uh, just real quick, uh, Brian Singer <laughs> considers that the a, a director's bible. Yep. Right? Yep. That's awesome.
2: Uh, yeah, Brian. Brian was, uh, was an early uh, enthusiast. So was Steven uh, Steven Soderbergh. Nice.
0: Now, I'm
1: curious about one thing when, you know, go back to 75, uh, you know, when you were writing the screenplay, did you get to have interaction with Peter Benchley, who actually wrote the book?
2: No, not really, no. By the time, you know, when I came on the picture, Benchley had been out of it for a while. He had written written his, his drafts of the screenplay as part of the book deal in order to, you know, get him more money, they let him write a screenplay and it wasn't very good. And then they hired Howard Sackler to rewrite Peter Benchley. And that's the draft that I inherited was the Sackler draft. And Sackler, for whatever reason, didn't want to arbitrate for screen credit. So when when the dust cleared, it was a screenplay by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb
1: Okay, all right. No, I was curious. I mean, you know, I was uh, I was twelve when yep. that movie came out, and I, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it. Uh, sure, and sure, my sure. parents, they said, "You know what? We'll bring you to this movie, but you have to read the fucking book first."
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, the, and then then you see the movie and you realize how different it is from the book.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And ever since then I've watched every shark movie that I can possibly find. Looking for
5: something to compare it to, and there's no comparison. No. Okay, well, this this man has such a wide range of accomplishments. So oh, we he need to past the shark. I tried to do that at ten minutes into the show. It's well, okay. I'm helping you here since thank I'm your you.
4: director. I'm pushing you through. I do I do want to say to Carl, thank you for your service. I read that, and um, we always thank our veterans and first responders here, so thank you for that, Um, but yeah, let's go way back to the beginning, back to the 1960s. You started writing for comedy on TV with the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Oh, my God. Hmm. Oh, I can't say that. He doesn't want me to say that word. (laughs) I almost did. I almost did it. How was it being a part of something like that and
2: winning an Emmy to boot? Yeah, it was you know it was a great debut in television. To you know, um, I had come to L.A. as a member of the committee, which was an improvisational review, and we played at the Tiffany Theater on the Sunset Strip.
5: Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, Yeah,
2: we did. We did the six nights a week at the Tiffany, thirteen shows a week. And uh, uh, and of course, since we were in town, you know, a lot of people came and saw us, and, and uh, we got hired for stuff. I got hired. Robert Altman hired me to do the movie of *Mash*.
5: And uh, then, young uh, Robert, yeah. And
2: then a group of us young, clever writers got hired uh, by the Smothers Brothers, and our our test run was the Glenn Campbell Summer Show it was called the summer brothers smothers show because in those days, if you had a successful network series they gave you your time slot with a much reduced license fee, and you could produce your own replacement whatever you wanted to put on and uh the uh the tendency was to get a hit musical act and give them a television show so there was glenn campbell the fifth dimension had a show there's a lot of a lot of people got shows as a result of that um but Glenn Campbell got a show; it was his debut, and me and Steve Martin and Bob Einstein and uh, Paul Wayne and Lorenzo Music, uh, a whole bunch of us got our start. We got our Writers Guild cards on that on that Glenn Campbell show, and then when the summer was over, the Smothers Brothers picked us all up for their big winter CBS show. And then that show uh, we did very well, and, and uh, but then that show was canceled because Tommy and network couldn't agree on stuff, ownership <laughs> issues. And then after we were canceled, we won the Emmy, which was kind of unusual for a canceled show to win the Emmy. Um, we displaced uh, Laughing for Best Comedy Variety Musical. Wow. Wow. I, I must say it was very satisfying. To be at the awards ceremony. And they said, and for the uh, Emmy goes to the best comedy. World. And the uh, the laughing people were already standing up to walk on stage. And when they said, Smother's Brothers Comedy Hour, and we got to go up on stage, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. I love that. Claim the award. <clears throat> Wow. I, I know. I, I can
4: see the smoke coming out of Jeff and Leo's ears right now. Go ahead. One of you. Go ahead. I'll let go. Oh yeah. I mean, well,
1: you've you've written for uh, the Odd Couple, Flip Wilson, Dean Martin, Bob Newhart. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's mind-boggling.
2: Yeah, I was I was uh, uh, I was big in television, and then I transitioned to features, uh, starting starting with the Fish movie. I mean, Jaws is my first produced feature film.
1: Um, right,
0: totally.
2: right, 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 right. Could you also think of it, you also also be did a better show. way to start? Except it's right. a little daunting to have the film become an icon mm-hmm. because you can't plan for that. Nobody plans for a film to be a hit for 45 years. So you all well, you could at the time it was a, a difficult location shoot that went over budget and over schedule and It was a classic studio production it was a universal's universal picture with all the baggage that the studio brings to it uh and and uh nonetheless you know we managed to succeed in the face of a whole bunch of obstacles and the result you know lives on you know lives on and keeps generating income so i can't complain
1: but then you did it again yes with another classic called the jerk yep yep i was
2: If I was a Jeopardy category, it would be his hits begin with a J. (laughs) (laughs) That was
4: a shameless plug for the Jeopardy folks. I'm sure somebody out there knows them and they're watching us. So, right, right.
3: So, so a lot of your works uh, gear more towards uh, comedic. How difficult it is, you know, how more difficult it is to write for comedy as opposed to. You know the fish movie being you know like a horror-esque movie
2: i think it was uh I'm trying to remember the famous writer who first said this uh but uh the apocryphal story is that uh, uh i think it was an actor named monty woolley a guy who played in uh 34th street i think he played santa anyway somebody oh, yeah. yeah he was uh He was sick and dying. He was old, and uh, somebody came to visit with him and said, "Is is is it hard? This, you know, your situation." And he replied, "Dying is easy. Comedy is hard."
1: (laughs) Touché! Wow. Yeah, I could see that absolutely. Right. So,
2: I've always been. lucky for some reason or another i've had always had a kind of a um iconoclastic attitude and, and uh you know a healthy urban skepticism from growing up in new york city and, and
5: uh uh where, where in new york did you grow up oh uh, washington heights
2: in the heights yeah just like Manuel miranda <laughs> i was in the little northern enclave of Washington Heights near uh, near Fort Tryon Park.
5: Yeah, I know it. I 87th
2: Street. And that, that's where I grew up. Ooh. I used to walk across the George Washington Bridge with my dad every Sunday. We'd walk I'm over be- to Jersey side and walk down to the river.
5: I'm a them- Yonkers kid. Huh? I'm a Yonkers kid.
2: Yeah, we used to walk up the river to uh, uh, around 212th Street. There used to be a ferry. Yep. At Dyckman Street. And we would take the ferry. We'd walk across the bridge, walk upriver along the Palisades and down to the river, catch the ferry boat back to Manhattan. Uh, and we would come out in Riverdale, almost Yonkers. Yep. And then we'd get on the subway and come home.
5: Good old McLean Avenue. We were over by the Yonkers Raceway. Yeah. And uh, when and later These young on, kids up at the top there, they don't, they, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when we were kids, we if somebody could borrow a parent's car or somebody had a car, we used to drive to Adventurers Inn. Do you remember that? On, uh, on the I We
5: used to right? go over to Playland, remember? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I
1: used to take the tea from Riverside into Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it's the well, Carl and yeah. Bill Show. <laughs> good, for, good for you.
2: <laughs> Remember Playland? Uh, I didn't go to much Playland. My 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 amusement park of choice was Palisades Park.
5: Oh, I I love da, Palisades. A lot da, of da. stuff in Palisades. Yeah, you know, one of my my dear friends, Corlin Hall, just restored the old carousel at pa, uh, Palisades.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we got to see that when we were down at the Witch's mm-hmm. Dungeon.
5: Yeah. Yeah,
4: he was restoring that.
5: He was restoring the Palisades uh, carousel. Yep. Because it's been there for, for a while. I mean, and that and Palisades is known, uh, the Palisades Park was known for Big, the movie Big. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And of course, I remember Bill Miller's Riviera, which was the only nightclub in New York that actually looked like a nightclub. Uh, but it was on the Jersey side, in Englewood Cliffs, just right over the bridge. There used to be a, very lavish nightclub called Bill Miller's Riviera.
5: So I, I suppose you're a Yankee fan, right? Uh, yeah,
2: yes. You know. I
5: can say that because I do a lot of stuff for the Yankees, which I'm doing right now. Some stuff for the Yankees.
2: If you want to have your heart broken, my dad was an immigrant. He came from Russia, and he was a high school student. He went to D.W. Clinton High School in Manhattan when it used to be on where on Fifty Sixth Street. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and he played flute. He was a, a flautist, and he, uh, he he was a ringer. He played in the Western Union band. Wow! And the, that that band played at Yankee Stadium for the ball games. That was before the organ. Yeah, yeah. they would play da 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 da. That was you know that was done live with a with the with or band. Yeah. And whenever somebody would, and the band was right on the third line, you know, just behind the dugout. And anytime anybody dribbled a foul over in that direction, one of the band guys would jump out, pick up the ball, jump down to the dugout, get the guys to sign it, and, uh, you know, he'd have a sign to baseball. Wow. And I asked my dad, did you ever do that? He said, no. He said, I played soccer. I, was, I didn't know anything about baseball. I was a European. <laughs> I said, Are you, Are you, you a, a baseball fan? You could have had a – I could have had a baseball my, – if my father had seen fit to do so, I could have had a baseball autographed by the 1927 New York Yankees. Wow! Wow! Ruth, Gehrig, Jimmy Fox on Murderers Road.
5: Right. And wow. So, are you still a Yankees fan?
2: Yeah, kind of. I mean, it is,
5: what's that old? Well, if you ever want to go to a game, let me know.
2: You'll never get rich betting against Joe Louis. The Yankees or Notre Dame? <laughs> is what I, what I
5: grew up with. I have to take those guys up top to a Yankee game. I do a lot of stuff for the New York Yankees, so. Oh,
2: okay, God bless you.
5: If you took me to a Yankees game, you'd have,
1: to
4: wear Red a co- Sox, yeah. you'd have to build a coffin because when I got home, my wife would murder me.
5: Well, you know, actually, if you just said that you would jeter, that the Red Sox would love you because you know, they, they love jeter.
2: I, I love going to the Yankee Stadium. Uh, for the annual Army <laughs> Navy,
5: yeah, yep,
2: th- that was a real spectacle because the the contingent great job schools would uh, you know the the rest of us you know civilians would you know take our places in the stands and then at some point they would uh, you know the gates would open and in would come the entire contingent from West Point in perfect yep. step and. and- Riding up mm-hmm. to, the, you know, filing into the stands in perfect order, filling up the rows one by one by one. And then the Navy Thank would you. come in on the other side. It was quite a spectacle.
5: Wow. And Carl, I'm right next to West Point. That's where I'm located. West Point's right up on the hill from me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean,
2: you know about, you're your near Sneedon's Landing up around there, right?
5: Yeah. I'm on, I'm in Cornwall on the Hudson. Oh, yeah. West Point is right up on Storm King on the other yeah. side of Storm King. So you on the other
2: which side of the river are you on? East side of the. West I'm side. on the
5: West Point side. The wrong side. West side, yeah. The wrong side. Not the wrong side. <laughs> West Point it's the right side.
4: Yeah. Poor Leo, poor Leo's over here going. Really, they went into sports on me. I was gonna. I was really ready to dork out tonight. Really,
3: plenty of time to dork out. Plenty of time.
4: Speaking of time. Um, yes, sir. Where can they find out more about this amazing guest that we have? Oh, right? it's,
3: it's about that time, huh? It's about, uh, that about that time. Not that time. It's about that time.
2: What was the question?
3: Uh, well, actually, uh, we 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 have uh, we have some bills to pay, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sponsors just for a minute. So don't sure, go anywhere. Sure. We still have a ton of show left. Obviously, uh,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, we got a couple ads here. Some awesome stuff going on. Uh, check it out.
0: is now sponsoring the dorkening podcast network our craft sauces are made in vermont in small high quality batches using locally sourced farm-grown ingredients silk city hot sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like jezebel erotic fever mango madness and good morning jonestown and don't forget our newest creation hot syrup Make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the Queen of Sweet Heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to SilkCityHotsauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's SilkCityHotsauce.com. Coupon code
5: DORK. Thank you for supporting Actors and Others for Animals. We started a long, long time ago. So when you find an organization like Actors and Others for Animals, it sort of unites all of those of us who want to pay back something for all the joy we get out of animals. Please keep up the good work. Believe me, it's deeply appreciated.
3: And you can learn more about all our sponsors and everything in the uh, show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And uh, there we go. Thank you, Leo. You're welcome. I took a a nap. Thank you.
1: you. No, I love the Betty White tribute.
4: Yeah,
5: that
1: was... was, um,
4: that was sent to us by uh, good friends over at Harlan Ball Public Relations. Um, it was it was set to be released on the first of the year. Unfortunately, Betty passed on the 31st. They went back and forth on whether or not to release it. He sent it to a few select people and asked if we could share it around. And, um, you know, it was an honor. Yep. It was an honor. Indeed, indeed. So. But back to our amazing guest.
3: Yeah, I, I was just going to ask Playland. You mentioned a couple times. Is that the uh, place that HBO did a documentary on, like the really dangerous uh, theme park? Or no? I don't know.
1: No, no I think that was in Hull, <laughs> Massachusetts, friend? called
5: Paragon. Okay. Playland is probably one of the oldest in the in the uh, East Coast. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been around since the early turn of the century
2: yeah you know coney island and palisades were the two and then it was rye playland i think up in rye beach uh in toward the yonkers area there was another but that was it there weren't, there weren't a lot of uh amusement parks
4: I, I know jeff has a question it's just he's he's itching to ask so i'm gonna allow well, no
1: actually i was just gonna throw out a comment that you know although they're talking about all these old amusement parks and stuff and i I grew up, you know, uh, going to Hull, uh, you know, riding the old wooden roller coaster. You know what I mean? I mean, back in those days, everybody liked to ride wood.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Carl, like, uh, he's up in the top box, a Hollywood squirt, we put an X in front of
3: him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh when you were working on The uh, the Jerk, uh, was Steve Martin already cast, or while you were writing, did you have him in mind, or any particular actor? Or- no,
2: was Steve, The Jerk was a, was a Steve Martin project. The, the, the way that came about was uh, uh, Steve had done a very successful concert at the uh, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, which was kind of unusual for a nightclub act for him, and he sold it out, whatever it was, 2,500 seat, 2, seats, 2,800 seats, He sold it out, and people were wearing bunny ears and arrows through the head and white suits. Uh, So it was clear that he was a phenomenon on the way up. So David Picker, who was at that point president of Paramount Pictures and was a third-generation movie guy, David Picker's grandfather, ran a Nickelodeon in Boston at the turn of the last century, like 1905. Wow! And then David Picker's father was in distribution with United Artists and then David Picker himself. So when when he took over Paramount, he was an executive with, you know, deep, deep roots in the business. And he was a Steve Martin fan and he signed Steve to a Paramount for a three-picture deal. And then... uh, uh, Steve came to me and said, listen, I, I got this three-picture deal. I got to write a script. I've never written a script before. You've done uh, Jaws, and then you did a Richard Pryor movie. You've done a comedy. So you, 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 would you like to collaborate on whatever it is we're going to write, whatever it is I'm going to write? So I said, sure. And then, and the notion was that uh, we would write a screenplay, but Picker and Paramount would also... Finance a short film, you know, kind of like an eight minute one reeler. And in the old Hollywood days, when they were bringing up a new talent like Steve, they would, you know, put them in a couple of B movies as a second banana comic, you know, like a Jack Oakie kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Then they would graduate to, if they were good, they would graduate to starring in features of their own, you know, like Abbott and Costello. But, uh, As it turns out, um, uh, so so that that was that was an and they we did a short subject on the Paramount lot called The Absent Minded Waiter, which I directed, which was nominated for an Academy Award. Wow! And uh, in 1975, I think, and I and I was pretty feeling pretty good about that, and I thought I was kind of on track to direct the feature. But then it came time to do a rewrite of the script, and I was either on, I, was, I think I was unavailable. So they hired uh, Michael Elias, who was known to Steve and myself, to, to do the rewrite. So Michael did the rewrite, and the credits on The Jerk after the smoke and dust had cleared was a screenplay, a, a story by Carl Gottlieb and Steve Martin. Screenplay by Steve Martin, Carl Gottlieb by Michael Elias. He shares the guy. And that's a correct evaluation of the credits. And uh, and the way the movie came to be written is you know, I would they, they gave Steve and I an office in the writer's building at Paramount, and we'd show up in the morning they had a couple of IBM's electrics, and my yellow pads, and a little bucket of pencils freshly sharpened. And we sit there in the office and look at each other and go. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I don't know. Do you have any ideas? (laughs) It went like that for a couple of weeks. And then Steve said, you know, my managers think that everybody's interested in money, so it should be about money. So we said, okay, it'll be about money. Silence, you know, then more. (laughs) Then Steve at one point said, you know, there's a line in my act that always gets a laugh whether the act is doing well or not. It's just like a saver. So it's like a pure fire line, I hate to give it up because you know once you use it in media, you can't use it in your act anymore. But anyway, he says, the line that always works is, I was born a poor black child.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's so true. We looked at each
2: other and said, wait a second. What if you were born a poor black child? And we started writing the first scenes uh, of uh, The Jerk, the ones that take place in the the, the house in the Mississippi Delta. That's awesome. Uh, We started writing right there, and then after that, it just flowed, and one thing led to another, and uh, when we were through, we we had this script. Wow. That's great. And then they hired Carl Heimann, he put his own...
5: did you live out in L.A. at that
2: time? Yeah, yeah I, I've lived in L.A. since the '60s. I mean, I I, I was drafted in, in the army in '61. I got out in '63. I went to San Francisco, joined the committee. The committee came to L.A. in '66 or '68. Uh, I came with them, and I you know I was in the show that opened at the Tiffany, and that's and. and from there, you know, everything's kind of na- followed
5: naturally from there. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I know the Paramount lot because I would have to go to the Gene Roddenberry building. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I know, and I had met Steve on the Warner Brothers lot when he was doing a, a movie called Gotham. Huh. Uh, not the series, not the series, just the yeah, movie Gotham. Yeah. A, gremlins 2 was being filmed at that time so i had walked over to the the gotham lot and, and i met steve there so um it, it was kind of interesting but i know the warner brother lot pretty well yeah. well it's the bill and carl show yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all well He's not. He's young. I'm older than you guys. (laughs) That's true. That's true. You are. Not
1: by much. Not by much. Go ahead, Jeffrey. So, um, how did it come about that you ended up doing a whole ton of cameos in some of the classic shows that I grew up with?
2: Oh, I was, you know, uh, I was always an actor. I mean, people knew my work from the committee. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Gary Marshall was a fan and he had two or three shows on Paramount Lot. and I would uh, uh, I would work as an actor whenever I could. I you mean know, it's uh, although I'm a you know writer, director, producer, all those things, uh, if you ask me which of those things I like to do the most, I like acting because it's, it's the least demanding and in terms of ego, the most rewarding, you know right. And physically, it's the easiest. You know, you, you show up. I
1: disagree with that. I disagree with that. Uh, physically, it's very demanding. Demand.
4: <laughs>
1: no, you show up. You go to your trailer. You eat <laughs> snacks. <from the> trash. <laughs> you yeah.
2: have to work uh, bill. <laughs> AD comes and gets you. You go to the set. You hit your marks. You say your lines. You go back to your trailer. See,
5: no, don't pay attention to the guy
4: behind the curtain. Hold on, I gotta say something. Did you hear what he said, Jeffrey? You hit your marks. If you don't hit your mark, that's why you get a concussion. Yeah. Well, nobody, damn.
1: nobody put a mark in the truck tire that I rolled.
5: Well, unless there's a bottle of whiskey on that mark, you ain't gonna find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: boy. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. You know, because, I mean, I, I was looking you up and it's like, I mean, I grew up watching the shows, you know, Laverne and Shirley and Mark and Mindy and all the rest of them. I mean, that was my generation. That's, yeah, you know, and, and you know, I was uh, doing the research because that's what I'm supposed to do. You uh, know, I'm going over this with my wife and she's like, really? Really?
5: Really? Who is this guy? <laughs> Hey, Carl, I just want to let you know that the three guys that are at the top of your screen there, if you're, you're seeing the screen the way I am, I am, they are one of the most, it's, uh, the two there and the one who runs the show are one of the most, they're young, they're green, but they're the most creative young guys I have met in a long time. And I've been in this industry for uh, close to 50 years. How much more do you have tonight? You, you be quiet. <laughs> um, and, they've done, and they've done an incredible amount of work. So um, when they started launching this, these podcasts and these shows, they have really tapped into a lot of friends of mine that are probably friends of yours, too. And uh, they've done an incredible um, – they'll each owe me 20 bucks when this is over with, but um, incredible work to really tap into the, uh, the, the incredible work someone like you have done. So I, my hat's off to at least two of them. I won't (laughs) know (laughs) who.
4: So Jeff, Jeff brought up, uh, Jeff brought up your acting. Yeah. Uh, See, I'm moving on, Bill. Um, Okay, Okay. thank you, Bill. Thank you. One of the things I did read, (laughs) nice segue. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I did read is that you appeared on Saturday Night Live in a Muppet skit.
2: Yep, no, I don't think so. I I made a couple of little appearances on Saturday Night Live. In I made one appearance in an Albert Brooks short film, I wrote a visual. Somebody
4: has to update his Wikipedia, folks.
2: That, I know that I wrote a sketch that they Saturday Night Live filmed.
5: Uh, well, the Muppets were only involved in the first two two or three years.
2: Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I ever.
4: And actually, I think I saw that on your IMDb page. Yeah, it was on
1: IMDb too. Uh,
4: that you appeared as in a cameo on Saturday Night Live in a Muppet segment.
2: Well, and I, I was... wanted
4: to bring that up because you know. I uh, maybe I
2: he have, was just a puppet. I, I have no recollection of it, and it, it, which is not to say that it didn't happen.
5: It's well, the only thing them. that the Muppets did on Saturday Night Live was land the gourds, and that was in the first two, three years of Saturday Night Live, and they really didn't have guests on them. Okay, back they, to the
2: fish. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> they they kind of threw that in there, and that was when I think. Steve was on it, but I it was Bellucci and um, um, trying to think who else was on it, but and that's that was in the 70s, it's before my time with you it,
2: know, with I, I always had close ties to uh, Saturday Night Live because I worked on a Flip Wilson special that Lauren Michaels produced.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, Flip Wilson uh, guest stars were Richard Pryor, Lily Tomlin, and Peter Sellers. Oh, the classics. Martha oh, Reeves, God. musical act. And uh, I did that show and then uh, uh,
5: Good old Studio 8H.
2: Yeah, and, and, and uh, we had a lot to uh, Lorna, and I had a lot to talk about. We talked about, he said, I'm going to New York. I'm going to be doing a show and it's probably going to be live. You know, do you want to come? You know, you want to do the show? You, I need a senior writer. You know, the Herb Sargent part. And I, I talked to my wife about it, and you know I, it's one of the few career decisions I always revisit. I I made the ultimately the right choice, <clears throat> but uh, you know it, it would have been interesting to have gone and been part of that first five years of Saturday Night Live. But by the time their five year run was over and they all came to L. A. to be in the movies, I was already in the movies. I'd done jaws i had done which way is up i was doing it's getting screenplay jobs with fixed figures so you know yeah. I, I did the right thing by staying in la but uh i always wonder what it would have been like because saturday night live that cast had the best of all worlds they were the hottest ticket on Broadway, which meant you were where you you were you know a new york institution and you were a national institution which meant if you were on a plane going coast to coast, they would bump you up to first or they would take good care of you. So you, you, you had the, the best of media stardom and being a local hit, like a Broadway hit. So you could. Right. Uh, right. You know. So
1: I wanted to ask you a question because, you know, there's a couple of things that, uh, you know, really infatuate me. And that's um, mm-hmm. the moon. I love to look at the moon. It's different phases, etc. Well,
2: doesn't. Okay.
1: You know, and I love <laughs> Amazon women. So, Amazon women on the moon? Yeah. Really? What do you mean, really? Shut the fuck up, Bill. <laughs> <gonna fucking talk. laughs> what are you
5: drinking tonight, buddy?
2: <laughs> well, Amazon no. women on the moon was, was uh, I, I had a contract. I was at Universal, and Landis was putting together Amazon oh, women. Candace? And there were like uh, and uh, uh, I was asked to, to, you know, direct some of it, so I, I did. I, uh, I directed like three or four segments. Uh, one of which was cut, but is in the DVD release. Uh, it's it's uh, Chekhov on, on wires. You know, the flying version of Chekhov. Uh, it's it's a, a scene from Uncle Vanya. And all the actors are on wire, so they're flying from side to side of the stage as they're doing
1: their dialogue. It was
2: an interesting conceit. <laughs> okay, well, I, you
1: know, I mean, I just had to. Anyway, ask and, you about and, that. And,
2: and it was the first nude I had ever directed, Monique Gabrielle, uh, and and of course the uh, Son of the Invisible Man, which was great fun. Oh, god!
5: Yeah, uh,
2: and and this and. The sale of antiquities and art. Anyway, I, I'm kind of proud of my connection with that film.
1: That
5: nice. one I, I was it up.
4: expecting from you, Jeffrey.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey,
4: <laughs> I love Amazon
1: women and I love
5: yeah, Jeff. I, I'm amazed. You know? I'm, I'm almost impressed
1: with him tonight.
5: Well, I was, I'll, you know, well, yeah, Ben, don't well, get it
1: involved that. nudity too,
5: apparently.
2: It very much nudity. And, and, and the fabulous Lana Clarkson was in it. She's the. Woman that fucking Phil Spector killed. So, you know, it was uh, the intersection of a lot of things.
5: Very cool. You did say intersection, right? Yes, he did. Okay. Uh, take another sip, whatever
3: you're drinking. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Leo. I know you want to say something. Oh, well, actually, I got a bunch of questions, but I didn't want to, you know. No, money. go, go, Leo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it also involves the the fish movie that. Shows All right, we'll on, get back with that. the fish. We have we'll to go back, back to the, the fish, fish
5: movie. movie. He's got much more than the fish movie.
3: We'll get to the fish. I movie know he has second. much more, but there's very interesting things like. Okay. You- we'll get to that one
4: minute. Okay. I got, there's one more one more subject that we really have to touch on okay. because Carl has written a book, but he's also been a co writer on somebody else's books, Jeff. Yes. You yes. were going to ask the question. So do, would you like to do that?
1: David Crosby? What? Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, David Crosby, Crosby, Stills and Nash. Um, I mean, that, that must've been a dream.
2: Well, you know, uh, David and I go back to the sixties, in New York, when the birds, I was at the committee, which was at 622 Broadway in North beach, San Francisco. And just up the street at a go-go club called the Peppermint Tree or the Peppermint Lounge.
1: Uh, More nudity, right? Go-go birds. Yeah,
2: the, the birds were the house band at this topless go-go bar. So Dave and I met because I would go up to look at the naked girls and the birds were awesome. playing. Uh, and Dave and I became pals then. Wow. And then they finished their gig Uh And they bought a a station wagon, I think from Odetta, who had just finished her tour in San Francisco. So they bought Odetta's station wagon, loaded the birds and all their equipment into the station wagon and drove south to LA. Then we said goodbye. Then the birds get to LA and they're driving down Sunset Boulevard, listening to KRLA, which at that time was the top 40 rocker. And they hear, Mr. Tambourine Man, which they had recorded a few months earlier in LA with Jim Dixon. So they, they go, Holy shit, we're being played on the radio. We're on AM radio. Wow. Top 40. And then the announcer comes on and says, This never happens. But the phones have lit up and we've gotten so many calls. We're going to play that again. And they played wow. Mr. Tambourine Man a second time on a KRA on a top 40 format wow. station. So uh, so they, at that moment, they knew they were stars and they became the birds.
4: Uh, That's awesome.
2: Because, you know, David's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with two different bands, you know, first the mm-hmm. birds, and then later with CSN and CSNY. So, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and when, when we got to L.A. with the committee in 68, David had been thrown out of the birds and hadn't formed CFN yet, so he'd come around. We'd come coming around and hang around the, the theater with us, and he'd do a sketch or two because he was a frustrated actor. He always wanted to be an actor first, um, and he went into folk music because he could get the chicks that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the girls, right? <laughs> uh, so. Uh, and, and, and he had this you know, this, preternaturally perfect voice for harmony, which uh, you know, to this day is unequaled, so. Right, agreed, agreed. So that was a very happy collaboration. And then in 88, during the writer's strike, I was co-chair of the Writers Guild Negotiating Committee, and we went out on the longest strike in Guild history for 100, more than a hundred days. But simultaneously with that, we were getting some nibbles about writing you know, Crosby's life story. And we got a huge advance, which enabled us to go and write. You know. So instead of you know, waiting for the strike to end, I went off with David and we wrote, uh
1: ah. Nice. You
5: right? Yes. That's awesome. Awesome,
4: that is awesome. Can wow, they still
5: wow. get that book? Oh, yeah, it's very much in print.
1: Yeah, you okay. can check the show notes up above or down below. I'm sure there's a link
5: to the okay. Amazon where you can,
1: get well, I'm that book. yeah, I'm just
5: making sure so everybody knows out there. Absolutely, but see, I... And, have... and I know Leo's going to cut us off in a few seconds, so and I'm going to take over right, for yeah. No, he's not, but um. Let me know. Let us know about your book that's that's out now.
1: Yeah, I wanted. Yeah, the uh, uh, the thirtieth anniversary of the Jaws book.
2: Yeah, it's the same book. It's just you know, the, the book that I held up a few minutes ago. Yeah.
1: Is there anything new added to it from thirty years ago?
2: Oh yeah, there's, there's a the whole lot of stuff. There's a long expectation of how the Indianapolis scene came to be written, and. And, and I, I have found out since then, uh, if there's ever another edition, I'll have to add this tidbit of information, is that uh, in the famous Indianapolis speech, Howard Sackler stole a whole re- a couple of pages from a book called uh, Shark Attack, uh, which was uh, published back in the 60s. And the, the whole Herbie Robinson anecdote is reproduced by Sackler that he cribbed from this book
5: about sharks. So, so when Discovery does Shark Week, does that kind of help push the book? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> it out to anybody who listened
2: that at any given moment it's always Shark Week somewhere on the planet. I mean, you just go, you know, any station in the world. When, if, if
1: I always thought Shark Week was about men, women on their cycle no you can mute him at any time leo
5: yeah leo pay no attention to him the guy up there. i mean
3: discovery channel i'm just gonna say shark week for no me i do i different. do
5: well there everything is that i watch, I watch everything shark everything just so you shark. know, chris Presco who has one of the largest shark um collections yeah and um Chris has opened in L.A. a um, Jaws. I I guess he's in part with somebody with the Jaws Museum. We used to have it in the studio and Chris was there. We would do a number of uh, we did on Comic Book Men. They used to come and 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 see the see the shark and all of Chris's stuff. And Roger Castell would come down. So uh, and Sue, I would see now and then at uh, a number of the the comic cons and I've known her for yeah. a long time. She's so, in,
2: she's indefatigable. She's everywhere.
5: She is everywhere. She is an unbelievable. Uh, she, I've known her for like 30 years. She's a, she was I, on the movie she for a long, but, she was on
2: the movie for four days and she's made a career and made
5: she's a sweetheart. Hundreds she, of
2: thousands of dollars being first yeah. victim.
5: So it it's uh, a real testament to all your your work and everyone else that's been involved with it. Right. the years. See how
4: we did that Leo? We brought it back to the fish movie for you. <laughs> Go ahead Leo,
3: ask your question. Any question, Dorgo, Leo? brother Dorko. Jeez, jeez, jeez. Well, I I have several questions, you okay. know. Uh, the first one is I, starting, I, <laughs> I
2: will sh- before I start answering, I, I'll let me share a, a brief Spielberg anecdote.
1: Please,
3: Please do. Too. Uh
2: when, when Spielberg became famous after Jaws, of course, He got to meet his idol Federico Fellini in Europe because he was Stephen was touring Europe for Jaws So he meets Fellini And he says, you know Maestro, I I have a question about one of your movies that I've always meant, you know, if I ever met you I was going to ask you this question So Fellini says wait, he says I have to tell you he says I give a different answer every time to questions He says, I always make up a different answer because the paparazzi, you're going to find out because you're now famous. You're going to find out they always ask the same questions because they have the same material. They get the same press book, the same material. They all ask the same questions. And if you give the same answer all the time, you get bored and you give a boring answer. And if you give a boring answer, they print a boring interview and nobody's interested. So I just make up new stuff every time. So I... Keep my responses are always fresh and spontaneous. Because I, but I don't know what's true and what's not true anymore. I just I, I make it all up.
4: <laughs> so the moral to that story, Leo, is yeah. he's going to lie to you.
2: Well, is, well, <laughs> I, I try to be truthful, but but uh, you know it's all bullshit. It's, it's, it's so, easier. I mean, obviously, I've I've given many answers, many of the same answers at the same time. And here's where being an actor comes in handy, because I can act as if I've never heard the question before. (laughs) Oh really, what was it like to be, well, okay.
4: (laughs) Well, we we were told before the show started, we could not use, what was it like? Yes. During the show.
3: (laughs) Well now, Leo, what can I what can I answer for you? Yes, sir. Uh, so I, I'm wondering about the difficulties, because when you and Steven uh, started this off, uh, you had three weeks, from what I understand, yep. uh, before shooting. Yep. Uh, so, you know, dealing with that limited amount of time. But also, I read that you cut part of your own part out. Yep. Was that due to the time constraints or was that to fit the story better?
2: Well, it was it was a result of several things, but what what actually happened? I was I was I was doing in in the script that we started shooting. Ben Gardner's boat is discovered on the open ocean by the editor of the newspaper and the oceanographer uh, and uh, somebody else. Um, Anyway, Owen oh, Shandler, you know and Dreyfus and me are on a boat looking for Ben Gardner, and we find him. And when we go to pull the boats alongside, I fall in the water. I, just, I the actor misjudges distance and center of gravity, and I go over the side into the water. On three cameras rolling, and they all capture me going into the water. Bobbing up and climbing back on board. But because I was a secondary character, they did not have doubles of my wardrobe. They just had the one suit that I was wearing when I went in the water. And rather than wait for it to dry out and lose a half day, Stephen said, Well, fuck it, move on. We'll, we'll figure out what to do with this later. So uh, we moved on. We scrapped the scene. And then Later, much later in the movie, when the company got back to L.A., that scene was picked up in the tank at uh, Universal on the back lot, and it was a much better scene because it was just Dreyfus and and uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Dreyfus and Scheider uh, and discovering you know the boat. Uh, so it was more effective, and when it was done that way. But in the meantime, I was the one who. You know, if you look at the early release prints of, of Jaws, I have co-star billing with Lorraine Gary and Murray Hamilton. That's how big my part was when I got the job. But right. then after I fell in the water and that scene was cut, my part got smaller and I just, you know, kept writing for the smaller part.
1: You no. Know, I just thought it was because you didn't want to get eaten.
5: No,
2: I you know, but I mean I don't like deep water anymore more than anybody else does. Right. Right.
5: Uh, so- so, Carl, I have something to share with you. Yes. If we can, I just pulled it off the wall in the office. And uh, the guys have probably seen it, but I know Lou, Leo hasn't seen it. So let's see if I can get it on screen and you recognize it. Let's see. Oh, yeah. That's working. Another you know that gentleman there? That's Joel's. Joel and I, have we've known each other for a long time. And you know, the, shark, the shark that's not working all the time. Joel is incredible. He's a great guy. And I just had to share that with
2: you. Yeah, Alves is fabulous. The thing I love about doing conventions and, and fan shows is that it's usually me and Joe and Susan and occasionally, yep. and occasionally Jeff. And we, oh, they give us a table to ourselves yeah. and we sell a lot of stuff and the people come over.
5: Yeah. You know, we probably have met at a convention a couple of times because I'm usually with Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, so, and, and Joel. So we probably have met at a few Comic Cons. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: So speaking of the shark not working, uh, with all the. <laughs> nice segue, Leo. <laughs> well, you know, with, with, with the production difficulties of uh, that they had during shooting. Um, and you're doing your, your rewrite process while they're filming, um, what were some of the items that uh, were cut that you really wanted to get into uh, the movie but were you had to write out because of production issues?
2: Uh, actually, there's nothing left out that we didn't want. There's nothing left out that we wanted to be in the movie. Uh, what we left out was all the extra baggage the mafia subplot, the mayor is a real estate developer. Just a, It was just a whole lot of baggage, the love affair between uh, the um, Ellen Brody has a, a affair with the oceanographer. Oh, and this the, is the
1: part that was ripped out of the book when I went to read it. My parents <laughs> ripped that out of the book. Yeah, the that, page yeah. is missing when they gave me the book and said, read the book before we go take you to the movie. Those oh, are the pages that were
5: missing. Yeah. When Those you got the book, it was just a cover.
2: Yeah, pretty much so.
4: I just
5: can't it was
2: just the three guys and the fish. <laughs> <laughs> three men and a fish. That was enough. Three men and a fish.
5: <laughs> three men and a fish. <laughs> That's Excellent. the
4: fall up Go ahead, Leo. Excellent. I'm giving I'm Leo, I gave you the floor.
5: Go ahead,
3: Leo. Oh, I don't
4: usually do this because Leo's the producer. He's the monkey behind the keyboard. But I know he's super dorking out. And, and yeah, this I, is... I, it's
3: absolutely love it. Uh, I also read that you're responsible for bringing Richard Dreyfuss onto the movie.
2: Yes. He had read the script and had passed on it. He had read the Sackler draft. And he's passed saying, this is a movie I'd rather see than be in.
1: So really? You know,
2: now... Stephen and I are in Boston. I'm starting to break down the script. And all we have is Scheider. We don't have Quint and we don't have Hooper. So there were three actors that would have been great for Quint. Robert Shaw was one of them. But also Lee Marvin would have been wonderful. And and Sterling Hayden would have been wonderful. Hmm. A wonderful movie with either of those three actors. But Lee Marvin... Was sport fishing in Baja California, and you said, "Why would I quit doing what I love, fishing, to go and play a fisherman?" Which is, you know, bullshit. I right? you know, no pass. And hey, Sterling Hayden couldn't take the job because he owed the IRS a ton of money, and any salary that he got would have gotten straight, gone straight to pay his debt. Why he became an author because they couldn't attach his royalties, but they could attach his salary, so he couldn't work for wages. So we were left with, uh, left with, you know, it was not a, it was not a, a, a terrible chore. Uh, the, Zanuck and Brown had a relationship with Shaw because he had been so effective in the Sting. So they asked him to be in it, and he imposed a lot of conditions. He made a lot more money than the other actors because he had taxes to pay, and he was a, a British subject. And if he stayed in the U.S. longer than ninety days, he had to pay U.S. taxes. Anyways, it, wow. It, you know, <laughs> But anyway, so we got we got Shaw and we still didn't have Dreyfus. So I I called my wife. I said, You know, do you know where Richard is? And she did a little research and she called me back. She says, You're in luck. He's in New York promoting uh, Duty Kravitz. He's on a, on a promotional tour. So I reached Richard in New York. I said, You gotta come up to Boston and meet with Stephen. And Richard says, I, I passed on that movie. I said, I'm rewriting it. It's all different. not the same movie you read the script for. Just, just meet. So Ricky came up to, to uh, Boston, and walked into the hotel room where Stephen and I were interviewing local actors for local parts. And he was dressed in that denim jacket and rimless glasses and a scruffy beard and a watch cap. And Stephen took one look at him. He said, "Don't change a thing." keep the jacket, keep the glasses. Uh, and we talked him into doing the movie. And he left that meeting agreeing to have done the film. And there's a joke that came out of that meeting that's in the movie that I'm very happy to have captured. Uh, there were styrofoam cups in in the hotel because the Holiday Inn was a cheap movie and Zanuck and Brown were cheap, stingy producers. Ah. And... Uh, so at one point, uh, Ricky crushes a plastic cup. And I said, you know what would be funny if Quint the He-Man crushed a beer can and you crushed a plastic cup. He, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Put that in script. <laughs> and the script. And it's a big laugh in the movie.
1: And that's a yeah. memorable
3: scene, this, right? Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's so many memorable scenes from that yeah, movie. We, and we,
2: I, we, we were lucky.
3: I have to tell you, Jaws is is one of my all time favorite movies. Absolutely, you know, ever since it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, uh, you know, with it being so many memorable scenes, you know, and having your insider view, do you get a chance to watch it as a fan? And if you do, what are some of your favorite scenes?
2: Um, occasionally, if I'm doing a show and they're screening Jaws, you know, I, I sometimes I. I you know, I MC the Q and A or I introduce the film. I'm, you know, I'm I'm there for the event, and I usually get a seat in the back so I can, you know, walk in the lobby and set up my table to sell books when the audience comes out. <clears throat> but every now and then I'll sit down and watch the movie. You know, i uh, I enjoy it for, you know, for even though I know where all the laughs are and all the screams and everything else. Uh, uh, my I have a couple of favorite scenes that, that because and they're my favorites because they're, they're performed as written. The actors didn't have to live. Uh, one is where uh, Mrs. Kittner slaps Scheider and says, my boy is dead. And the other one is when Dreyfus is arguing with the mayor says, I, I pulled a tooth, the size of a shot glass out of that boat. And the mayor says, do you have the tooth? And Dreyfus has to admit that he lost it. And you know, that whole thing, I'm, I'm, look at me, I'm arguing with a guy who's lining up to be a hot lunch. I love that piece of dialogue. And Dreyfus delivers the goods. So I enjoy watching when my words come to life. I, you know, in that respect, I'm no different than any other writer. I, I have to applaud actors for bringing life to characters. Right.
5: That's I mean, I mean, oh, by the I'm going to tip on you, Ben, for a second. Go ahead. That's okay. So... Out of all your work over the years, what is one of your favorites?
2: Oh, it's Sophie's choice. You know, you love all your children. You know, you're not going to. There you go. Um, Good answer.
0: They all,
5: they
2: all, they all have something. You know, or I wouldn't have done them in the first place.
5: Well, no, absolutely.
2: So they've they've all got something, and, and it's, Hardly any there.
5: Can I? I'm going to flip that unre- question. Un- unredeemable.
1: Yeah. Is there anything you did that you wish you
5: didn't? Yeah, talk to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I did. Uh, I posed for a semi-nude poster in San Francisco back in the day. <laughs> I, I, I have some copies of it. It's a pretty silly-looking poster. Uh,
1: <sighs> And Is like, it like a fireman's calendar or something
2: like that? Well, it was. A, it was a post. Somebody, some photographer, had an idea that if he, if he, if he did a poster, he could cash in on it. So he did a poster with me and a nude girl on a motorcycle.
5: Okay, now you know you're going to make a fortune on this because there's going to be a rush for it. Uh, the I the, girl, girl, the
4: same thing. People are already girl. online trying to find it's this to bring to my conventions.
3: My well, forget that it's already an NFT. The, 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 sub- NFT.
2: the subtitle for the poster is Hi, H I G H. I, I don't know if
5: I have it. Let me see if I have a copy handy. I'm going
2: to leave the frame for
5: a minute. Okay. Hopefully, we're your next fortune.
3: <laughs> uh, Bill, Where'd maybe you, you can answer uh, Billy's question while we wait. He was asking Didn't the fish, Bruce, get destroyed on the back of the set over the years?
5: Uh, there were a number of them, and do you know who Bruce is named after?
2: Bruce Rayner. Yeah.
5: No? Yeah, well, it's true, but who was that? Well, you would know, but we oh, all there, nice. ah, there you go. There you go.
1: How do I get one of those? <laughs> the, the,
5: there are stores
4: across the country right now digging through their archives going, we're going to get these out because, oh, yeah, the price just went so,
5: up. We were always told that was Spielberg's lawyer. Is that correct? Yes. Bruce Raymer. Yep. Yep. It was Spielberg's lawyer Bruce was named after. Yep.
4: Really? Oh, so Spielberg named the fish after his lawyer, and we, threw our, and yeah. we got we to, threw to throw our lawyer, lawyer in, in the, the Hudson. Hudson.
5: <laughs> That's true. You know, and it's funny because I know I I don't know if uh I know Bella Lugosi Jr. He's a good friend of mine. And he's a lawyer and I always said, you know, Bella playing Dracula. His dad was a law, you know, he went after a lawyer and then you became a lawyer. So both of you are bloodsuckers. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there you
1: go.
4: <laughs> there was another question there that came into the chat too, Leo. If you want to p- pull that, and-
3: yeah. So uh, Ty e. Matthews is asking, uh, "How did you get involved with Jaws three D?"
2: Well, the same thing happened with uh, after Jaws. Uh, you know, uh, the iron law of sequels is only the last one loses money. So there was there was going to be a sequel. That was there was no question about that. And they approached me to, to write it, and I didn't want to do it. I mean, know, I, I, Stephen was not going to do it. He was going to he was on, he was already on to doing uh, prepping Close Encounters. <coughs> Joe was doing Close Encounters. So. Uh, uh, so I passed on it, and I remember saying, because they offered me scale, which seemed to be insulting. But that, that was Zanuck and Brown. They were stingy bastards. So I said to my agent, scale? These guys made $100 million on there. They, they had 40% of the profits. Fuck scale. They'll be back, and it's going to cost them. So sure enough, they started shooting. They, they had a script written. Uh, that was uh, ineffective and they started <laughs> shooting and they realized that they were in trouble because the director was way out of his depth. So they approached me and I they said, "You know, can you salvage this? And it's kind of the same conditions as the first one. It was like three or four weeks before principal photography. They didn't like the script. They didn't like some of the actors. They had to recast. Luckily, there was a hiatus built into the schedule where the company would wrap. They would shoot just second unit up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they were going to go down and shoot the rest of the movie in Florida where the water was much you know, warmer and more predictable. And it was, it was a bit better place for the shark to work. So uh, they added a week to the hiatus and gave me that time to start the rewrite. And I came up with a a format that they liked and uh, Verna appreciated it. So we, I had this idea for a cruising culture, you know, based on San Fernando Valley car culture, but with boats and that worked, that worked for the teenagers, you know, worked for everything. So that became, that became the movie. Uh, Let me see who this is.
1: Probably your age is saying, "What
5: the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> well, it's your next Jaws movie? No, it's the
2: Veterans Administration. Ah,
5: oh, okay.
2: Okay, so uh, where was I? Uh, so I, I, I with a, a short time to go, I flew to Florida and. Uh, took up residence in the Holiday Inn where the whole company was shooting or living and started the rewrite. And stayed there until the rewrite was finished and then uh, went home and they they made the movie. And I I had uh, some, uh, uh, they still would not give me any points but they gave me a profit part. They gave me escalating series of bonuses if they hit certain grosses, mm-hmm. so I I was I got statements I got to see what the movie was actually grossing, because at certain points in the gross I would get another payment. Wow! Because that I was cool. I was kind of a profit participant, so uh, I made good money on it, and uh, and I was not ashamed of it. It's a it, in its time it was the the, the most popular sequel until Godfather Two.
4: Right. So Leo, you have another show tonight, don't you? I do, I do, I do. Okay, so um couple more quick questions and then wrap or we'll yeah. just wrap, you know.
3: Well, tell you what, last question I'll have for you. Uh going from the original movie to the sequels, what was your your head cannon, uh for you know, an area having, you know, multiple sharks of that size? I'm I'm,
2: I'm sorry, I don't know.
3: Well, I mean, it, it's, you know, what was your, in writing the screen, you wrote the screenplay for the first one, second one, and then you were brought in for the third one. Uh, you know, with, a, with multiple sharks, did you have something in your head of, of why this was happening? Or um, maybe I'm phrasing it wrong.
2: No, no, well, let me, let me, let me answer with, with uh, something Sid Sheinberg said. He says, he says, you have people over to your house for dinner. You serve roast beef. Next time you invite them for dinner, they're expecting roast beef, so you serve roast beef. You serve the same thing you served the last time. So with the fish movie, it's no different. You gave them the fish. You're doing, a, a, you're inviting them back. You got to give them more fish. So it was just a question of how do we, you know, work the work, the big shark into the film. And in, in Jaws two, it was easy because he's, you know, he's he uh, he kills the the, uh, the 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 water skier and gets his face burned in the process. So now you've got a scarred mean shark so that, that it works for the story it works for the picture. So you know we go with it.
1: You change the recipe of the fish.
2: yeah that yeah. slightly slightly uh, slightly a little Uh, more turmeric a little less paprika
4: right right Uh, all i'm going to say is i am from massachusetts so is jeff um i've been on the vineyard a hundred times my cousin's husband was a lieutenant in the fire department down there for a long time so we spent a lot of time down there i've always brought the kids and the wife down to the bridge and they've all jumped but they've all come back yeah
1: that's disappointing
4: you couldn't leave the fish. <laughs> I'm just asking. You couldn't leave the fish. Oh,
1: Jeff, you're too much.
4: Uh, so, anybody else up here have a a, a quick question for him? Because we do have to let Leo wrap things up so that he can get to his next show. And Carl's probably like, "Jeez, this is the longest ass interview I've ever." No, I'm no, gonna, no, I'm no. going to kill that joiner guy.
2: No, no, you guys, you guys are entertaining.
5: Good. Well, it's a pleasure having you, Carl. It really is. We are mutual friends, so that's kind of nice.
4: Jeffrey, anything else? Um, that de- demented little mind of yours?
1: Um, no, I I no. I'm 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 good. You content?
4: And yeah, I no, I'm
5: we'll good. put it out there, Carl. If you ever decide to come to the Hudson Valley, you want to go see a, a Yankee game, or you want to go to West Point. The boys can set you up with that.
1: We'll hook you right up.
2: When I was sixteen or seventeen, me and a four or five of my friends from Washington Heights, we took our bicycles up to West Point. We drove our bikes up to West Point, stayed outside the point, went, you know, went on the grounds, you know, toured, toured the point, watched the evening formation and all that stuff, and then pedaled back to. Uh, New York.
5: Well, anytime, my office is right on the right by the point, so you're always welcome.
2: Okay. Well, it's good to know that if the British fleet tries to sail up the Hudson to take Albany, you guys are there with the
5: chain to stop. We flight. are right to the Bannerman Island. We can run it right across.
2: Oh, Bannerman Island! Don't get me started. when I, <laughs> when I, when I was a kid. One of my favorite books, one of my favorite books. The, I had a Francis X. Bannerman catalog from oh,
5: 1939. Yeah. I wow. bet you did. I did the documentary on Bannerman Island yeah. and I'm connected with them regularly. So if you ever want to go out there, I have I a podcast. I,
2: I went to Bannerman's when they had the store on West Broadway in Manhattan. Yeah. And yeah. I, I bought some stuff for my my grammar school uh uh graduations so we, we did we did uh a big musical number and i went to bannerman's and i bought 20 police helmets those old style british bobby helmets and uh night sticks I, well, I, I bought a bunch of well horses. we have a boat
1: to get out there from what i've been told
2: and and what i've what i remember most was about that catalog was they were is the prices the things that they were selling they were selling uh 1873 winchester rifles for 12 dollars and uh colt 45 peacemakers single action army colts for six dollars and seven dollars there goes bill and i had i had a, a beautiful confederate you know csa belt buckle made by tiffany that i bought there uh, I loved Bannermans. I couldn't afford. I had you know a twelve-year-old's allowance, but right. I I loved Bannermans, and uh, and I understand the island was closed because it was just so much un, unexploded ordnance on the island. There were bombs and things that had never been set off.
1: Um, I, we'll have yeah, from what, yeah, from what yeah, from what I heard, that was one of the reasons why. One it was of the closed. reasons, yeah. yeah.
4: Um, but like Bill said before, his phone died on him. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, he is connected with Bannerman. He is right down the street from West Point. If you know one of these times you want to come out to the East Coast, you know, maybe we you can make it a, a weekend thing. You come out to the East Coast, you go to the Army Navy game at West Point. We'll see. We have I have relatives that do that well, until this thing shut the world well, down.
2: Yeah, yeah. This, um, is, this has changed everything so.
4: Right, right. But, um, you have my email,
2: Okay, you know, okay.
4: just catalog that email, save it. And, um, you know, if it ever happens and we know how to get a hold of Mr. Diamond and
5: we- sorry, I'm back. Did your phone die? No call came in, but anyway, I wanted to say to Carl, if you ever want to go on the Bannerman Island, uh jeff and i and ben and if leo wants to come we can always take you out there we're connected with them we'd be more than happy to take you to west point and I, I i may take
2: you up on that but it'll be in the
5: years to come
4: i just i just told him the same thing i said make it a weekend come down go to the army navy game and then go out to bannerman
5: absolutely we can make that happen okay
4: so all Thank right you- leo I know you got another show, brother. So why don't you go ahead and start wrapping yes, this up, real sir, quick?
3: Yes, sir. Yes, uh, sir. Smile, you son of a bitch. Okay, so <laughs> just had to get that. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, been okay. waiting an hour now. Uh, I that. know, I know, I know. I just love <laughs> it. Okay, so uh, for me, just Google Leo You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true. Could be not. Uh, I'm not gonna say which is a witch, but more importantly, if you check the show notes. Up above or down below, you're going to find a ton of information uh, about our awesome guests and also the awesome people as still token with. Uh, and for me, you know, uh, just head on over to thedorkening.com. I run a little thing uh, called the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got about 40 shows on a network. A lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff, including Dead Dork Radio, which is live right now. You can listen uh, right on your phone. Just go to Live 365. Search for Dead Dork Radio. And, uh, Carl, where do you like people interacting with you on social media?
2: Um, Facebook.
3: Colby. I
4: love it. It was just... Just yeah. Facebook, guys. Yeah. Yeah.
3: How about, about you, Bill? Bill, where'd you go? All right. Jeffrey.
1: <laughs> just just, just in like at the media. studio, it's like, where the hell did Bill go? I right. don't know. He was there a minute ago and then he's fucking gone. Uh yeah, uh, you know, you can Google me if you want. It's all gonna be a bunch of crap anyway. I'm on Facebook. You don't wanna try and find me. Go to still That's where all our info is. That's where everything you need to know about us. uh, You know, talking with the dead. That's it. Uh, Episode two is now out and available on Vimeo. Uh, And I want to say next week. Thank you. Next week we are, uh, we had to shift the show. It's going to be on Tuesday. It's going to be at six o'clock. This is one you are not going to want to miss.
4: They don't want to miss any of our shows.
1: If you well, missed the this night one's kind of
4: special to me. Well, right, but this, if they missed the night show... This one's special to me. You know, if you've missed any of our shows, you can find it at stilltoking.com. They're all there for you to view. They're all on our Facebooks. Uh, multiple Facebook channels, YouTubes, Twitches. Uh, they're up on IMDB. You can find us everywhere. But like Jeff said, you know, stilltoking.com. <clears throat> we want to thank Carl again for taking the time out tonight and hanging out with us. Uh, we'd just like to ask him to hang tight While Leo closes the show before he disappears on us. And um, to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. We're out of here. Remember, Tuesday night, six o'clock. Okay.
1: Peace out.